The Truth News Network. A new year, a new hope. Hope against the lies, the corruptions, and the illegal orders of an administration believing the rules no longer apply. So how do you sort it out? You seek the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. With your host, Dan Newman. More and more insanity, more and more of falsehoods. Just when you think you've seen and heard it all, we come back with a Joe Biden who is telling us some more stuff that is untruthful. And the American people are looking at him and his job, and they're saying, we agree with that. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in Washington, D.C. and around the nation. And we're still dealing with things like COVID-19, our pandemic, supposedly is supposed to have been over. I mean, Joe Biden was going to kill it, remember? He promised in his campaign, I'm going to crush coronavirus. Not only has that not happened, cases are blowing up even in greater number around the U.S. Thankfully, they're mostly of the Omicron variant, which is just a little bit, if any at all, worse than the regular old cold. Somewhere between cold and the flu for most people. Now, there are people still, the elderly Americans among us, are the most that are susceptible to a bad version, a bad case of any COVID-19. Delta, Omicron, or the original. So you got to be careful. But where, oh where, are the facts about what we're dealing with now? We're being told every day all kinds of things. And then we find out every day what we're being told isn't the truth. Aren't you getting a little sick of that? I'm going to tell you, I'm worn thin. And this morning, we have a couple of examples of really exposure of the sycophants that are in our government. The most obvious one, and the one that's been buried the longest. I didn't even really ever think about it. You know who Javier Becerra is, formerly the Attorney General of the state of California. Before that, I think he served one term, maybe two, in the House of Representatives representing a district in California. Well, he's a lawyer. He is not a doctor, yet Joe Biden appointed him and he was confirmed to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Go figure. Here we are in the midst of a pandemic, a COVID-19 pandemic, and our only tie to the medical profession until Javier Becerra came around is Dr. Fauci. And you throw a lawyer in the mix. What are you going to get? <laughs> You're certainly not going to get any good health care information. So yesterday, Rand Paul, in a Senate hearing, drilled down on Javier Becerra. We're going to let you live. You don't want to miss this, folks. I haven't heard in any Senate or House hearing ever before in my life. I've not heard anything close to the truth that Senator Paul is confronting Javier Becerra and the facts come out. I know, that's unusual. That doesn't happen much in Washington. But we caught a little bit of it. And of course, I'm certain by now you've heard that Americans are basically just thumbing their nose at this administration and its leader. Joe Biden's approval rating in the Quinnipiac poll is down to 33%. 33%. 
I don't remember when we've ever had a president in my lifetime when they started keeping approval ratings nationally that had approval ratings that low. And I got to be honest with you. I don't really trust that number. I think it's worse than that. And I don't care what the real number is. I think it's going to continue to decline. Who's paying the price for all of this thuggery that we're living through in Washington, D.C.? You know the answer to that. It's you and me. It's the American people. And almost with impunity, we're being every day flooded with more and more thuggery, hackery, political stuff that is anything but factual. And it becomes harder and harder to drill through and drill down and get the truth. Now, the 33% thing, approval rating is overall among independents. Let's break it down a bit. It's even even more unconscionable. 25% of independents approved of Biden's job performance. 58% of independents disapproved. These are the people that elect every president all the time. You have your hardcore Republicans and you have your hardcore Democrats in every national election, especially for president. The segment of our voting population that actually cast the deciding votes are the independents. Only 25%, I've never seen this before, approve of Biden's job performance. By the way, just 75% of Democrats approve of their guy in the White House. 14% of Democrats disapproved. In November, 87% of Democrats approved of Biden, 12 points more than in January. Registered voters marked Biden slightly higher at 35% approval. My goodness, <laughs> what a great accomplishment. November's polling marked approval of Biden's job performance three points higher at 38. The economy, 34% approved, 57% disapproved. Foreign policy, 35% approved, 54% disapproved. And here's the big one. Coronavirus response, only 39% approve of the way Joe Biden is handling our coronavirus pandemic, chaos, war, whatever you want to call it, 55% disapprove. And you would think in that scenario, oh, by the way, what a, what a most, what are most Americans now thinking that Joe Biden should be concentrating on and fixing for us in large mass? It's the economy. I'll never forget Serpent Head, James Carville. You remember him? He's that measly, weasel-looking guy from South Louisiana. He actually lives in New Orleans. And he was a spokesperson throughout the Bill Clinton administrations, both, both terms. And he was very outspoken. He, you never wonder what James Carville is thinking. And when Bill Clinton, back for those of you who are old enough to remember his administration, you remember he was facing impeachment charges right about the time of his re-election campaign. And on air, all of the political pundits on the major networks, they were just going on and on and on about, oh, this is going to kill Bill Clinton. He'll never be reelected. A sex scandal that happened in the White House. Nobody could believe there was any chance that he could be reelected. 
James Carville made the famous statement talking about what drives people to the polls and how they vote. Famous sentence, I'm quoting James Carville, it's the economy, stupid. The economy, we're in deep, deep doo-doo right now. It's worse than you even think it is. I listened to a story this morning about how expensive things are at the grocery store, and they're nowhere near getting better, folks. The prices are out the wazoo. One illustration of how bad it is, it's not so much about the food itself, it's about getting it to the markets for us to buy, getting to our grocery stores. One example, a produce hauler out in California talking about transporting fruit across the nation and distributing it nationwide. It costs more to ship a cantaloupe anywhere from any cantaloupe producing place in the nation. It costs more to ship that cantaloupe than the cantaloupe itself costs. I have a close friend that's in the stone business, the house building, you know, marble, granite, countertops, all those kind of things. He manages a big operation. They buy all of their stone and it's shipped over from overseas in Italy and South America in these big containers. There are eight, eight different pieces of this countertop material in each one of those crates. A year and a half ago, they were paying $6,000 a crate in transportation from South America. You know what it is today? $19,000. That's what they're paying today from the same shippers, and that's the best prices they can get. All of this, folks, it's a daisy chain of responsibility, and it always begins at the top. We have not a president that is failing us on the way. He's failing us every day and has been for almost a year. In fact, we're just a week away from Joe Biden's first anniversary as president in the White House. And folks, I would have never thought, I don't care how bad you think Democrats are going to lead from the top in this nation. If you're, if you're a conservative thinker, if you're in business for yourself, or if you're somebody that watches closely all of the economic act- activities that go on around the world and here in the United States as they pertain to you, you almost, I can say, absolutely never gave even a hint of a possibility that these things that we're watching play out could ever happen in any presidential administration in the United States. And sadly, folks, we're looking at three more years of this. Three more years. Don't say it can't get worse. We thought a year ago, there's no way it could be this bad in a year. It only took him months to initiate the destruction of the freest country on the planet. And folks, they're not even close to thinking about changing directions with the the ship. They're still going down the same path, definition of insanity, doing the same things again and again and again, thinking you're going to get different results. That's insanity. It hasn't happened, and it's not going to happen. 
We are living in what 80 million people chose for us to live in, we're told. 80 million Americans. 80 million Americans pulled the lever or signed a mail-in ballot to make this guy president of the United States. Come on, man, quoting him. This is unbelievable. And every day, I just wake up in a fog, a new fog every day, and I try to push through. I'm an optimist. I get beat up a lot of times by people in my family because I'm looking when, when, there's, a, when there's a bag of poop out in the backyard, I'm running around the backyard looking because there's got to be a pony back there if there's poop back. I'm one of those kind of guys. I don't see anything in the Biden administration except a lot of poop. And I don't see it getting any better. And I'm not a fatalist. I'm the exact opposite of that. But folks, facts are facts. And people are awakening to realize we're in dire straits. What can we do about it? Well, there's an answer. Yeah, there's an answer. There's a fix it. All we have to do, we're now being told one more time, is bring Hillary back to Washington and put her in the White House. (laughs) I'm not joking. In a Wall Street Journal op-ed yesterday, Sean Cooperman, who's a former pollster for Bill Clinton and Andrew Stein, a former New York City council member, wrote Hillary Clinton is the Democrats' best option to defeat the Republican nominee for president in 2024. Here's just a segment of it. Hillary Clinton remains ambitious, outspoken, and convinced that if not for Federal Bureau of Investigation Director James Comey's intervention and Russian interference that she would have won the 2016 election. They're still doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on stupid folks. The report dismisses Vice President Kamala Harris, and also, by the way, the President, Joe Biden, as being legitimate contenders. Alternatively, the authors estimate Hillary would be considered the change candidate when contrasted to the Democrats' failed leadership while controlling all branches of government leading up to 2022, she's already in an advantageous position to become the 2024 nominee, they claim. She's an experienced national figure who is younger than Mr. Biden and can offer a different approach from the disorganized and unpopular one the party is currently taking. Those two insiders also pointed to Hillary's recent statements about which type of radical Democrat is most suited to win the Democrat primary. Recently on MSNBC, you probably saw the interview, I think we we played a soundbite from it, Hillary called on Democrats to engage in careful thinking about what wins elections, and not just in deep blue districts where a Democrat and a liberal Democrat or so-called progressive Democrat is going to win. She also noted that the party's House majority comes from people who win in much more difficult districts. So mentioning Bill Clinton's thoughts on Hillary's failed 2016 campaign, in this op-ed they suggest even Bill Clinton recently set the stage for 
his wife's potential 2024 candidacy. Bill was talking to People Magazine last month, and he said that his wife still remains the most qualified person to run for office in my lifetime, including me, and suggested her failed bid against Trump was one of the most profound mistakes we ever made. That probably what he just said would be the heart and soul of another Hillary Clinton campaign. They made a mistake. They don't even factor in the fact that the American people didn't want Hillary serving as president. The people, the people voted against that. It wasn't something that Bill or Hillary did or didn't do other than just being Bill and Hillary Clinton. They don't get it. And if that attitude would ever get back in the White House, folks, you just think Joe Biden put us in the tank. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. They would drop us in the middle of the Pacific Ocean in that 10-mile deep spot. There is no way this nation can survive as the nation is it is with another four years of a Democrat doubling and tripling down on the Biden stuff that's happening. We just can't do it. We have so many things to talk to you about this morning. I told you about Rand Paul and Dr. Fauci. I want to get into that in just a moment. This, again, is one of the testimonies in a Senate committee hearing that everybody needs to hear because it's full of facts. It wasn't like Rand Paul a couple of days ago. We played his uh, testimony uh, from Dr. Anthony Fauci in this same committee hearing. Fauci wouldn't let Rand Paul answer. Rand Paul didn't want to let Fauci answer. Rand Paul, he's reading a scripted story, a statement, a bunch of questions, and Becerra, HHS secretary, doesn't interrupt him very often. But what Rand Paul had to say to Javier Becerra It spells out exactly what we're living in. It's more from the top-down insanity from the Biden administration. And Javier Becerra, folks, he's a lawyer. He has no science degree. He has no medical background other than being a lawyer and prosecuting legal cases in healthcare, suing people. He doesn't know anything about healthcare, but he is our guy running Health and Human Services in the Biden administration. Let's go right to Rand Paul and Javier Masseri yesterday. Are you familiar with an Israeli study that had uh, 2.5 million patients and found that the vaccinated group was actually seven times more likely to get infected with COVID than the people who had gotten COVID naturally? Senator, I'd have to get back to you on that one. I'm not familiar with that study. Well, you think you might want to be if you're going to travel the country insulting the uh, millions of Americans, including NBA star Jonathan Isaac, who have had COVID, recovered, look at a study with 2.5 million people and say, well, you know what? It looks like my immunity is as good as a vaccine or not. And in a free country, maybe I ought to be able to make that decision. Instead, you've chosen to travel the country calling people like Jonathan Isaac and others, myself included, flat earthers. We find that very insulting, goes against the science. Are you a doctor or a medical doctor? I have worked uh, over 30 yeah. years on health so policy. You're, you're not a medical doctor. Do you have a science degree? And yet you travel the country calling people flat earthers 
who have had COVID, looked at studies of millions of people, and made their own personal decision that their immunity they naturally acquired is sufficient. But you presume somehow to tell over 100 million Americans who have survived COVID that we have no right to determine our own medical care. You alone are on high, and you've made these decisions, a lawyer with no scientific background, no medical degree. This is an arrogance coupled with an authoritarianism that is unseemly and un-American. You, sir, are the one ignoring the science. The vast preponderance of scientific studies, dozens and dozens, show robust, long-lasting immunity after COVID infection. Even the CDC does not recommend measles vaccine if you have measles immunity. The same was true for smallpox. But you ignore history and science to shame the flat earthers, as you call them. You should be ashamed of yourself and apologize to the American people for being dishonest about naturally acquired immunity. You want more people to choose vaccination? So do I. You want to lessen vaccine hesitancy? So do I. You want to have that happen? Quit lying to people about naturally acquired immunity. Quit lording it over people, acting as if these people are deplorable and unwashed. Try persuasion instead of government cudgels. Try humility instead of arrogance. Try freedom instead of coercion. But most of all, try understanding that there's no more basic medical right than deciding what we inject into our bodies. Today, after hearing that millions of people in a study prove, show without a doubt that there's a great deal of immunity from getting it naturally, do you want to apologize to the 100 million Americans who suffered through COVID, survived, have immunity, and yet you want to hold them down and vaccinate them? Do you want to apologize for calling those people flat earthers? Senator, I appreciate your question and appreciate that everyone has their opinion. Uh, we follow the facts and the science at HHS. We use the expertise of the medical professionals, the scientists at uh, HHS to make decisions. Uh, it's a team effort, and we rely on what is on the ground showing us results. Except for the dozens and dozens of studies. In fact, most, if not all, of the studies show robust immunity from getting the disease naturally. The CDC says if you've had measles and have immunity, you don't have to be vaccinated. The same was true of smallpox. You're selectively doing this because you want us to submit to your will. You have no scientific background, no scientific degrees, and yet you aren't really concerned about 100 million Americans who had the disease. You just want to tell us, do as you're told. That's what you're telling us. You want to mandate this on all of us. You're going to tell us if I have 100 employees, you're going to put me out of business with a $700,000 fine if I don't obey what you think is a science. Don't you understand that it's presumptuous for you to be in charge of all the science? Have you ever heard of a second opinion? I can't go to my doctor and ask my doctor's opinion. I mean, this is, is, is incredibly arrogant combined with this authoritarian nature that you think, well, we'll just tell all of America to do what I say and they better or we'll find them or put them in jail or not let them go to school or not let them travel. The science is against you on this. The science is clear. Naturally acquired immunity is as good as a vaccine. The Israel study actually showing it better. This isn't an argument against the vaccine, but it's an argument for letting people make a decision who already have immunity. You're not willing to consider natural immunity? Senator, our team 
has reviewed every study that's out there on COVID, whether it's from Israel, from the U.S., or wherever else. They have used the facts that have been provided through the uh, rigorous research that's been done to reach a conclusion. 660-odd thousand Americans and more have died because of COVID. We're trying to do everything we can to save as many as possible. We're using the facts. We're following the science and following the law. Nobody's arguing the severity of this, but you are completely ignoring the science on natural immunity. So is Fauci. So is the whole group. You're just ignoring it because you want submission. You want everybody just to submit to your will, do as you're told, despite the evidence, the large body of scientific evidence that says naturally acquired immunity does work is an important part of how we're all going to recover from this. So is the vaccine. But when you add them together, we're at a much different place than if you ignore them. 100 million Americans, by conservative CDC estimates, have had the disease. 200 million or more now have been vaccinated. It's a good thing. Combined together, it's how the disease is. Nobody wants to get the disease. We're not advising anybody to get the disease. But if you're unlucky enough to get it, think of the nurses and doctors and orderlies who all bravely took care of COVID patients. There was no vaccine for a year and a half. They took care of people, risked their lives. They got it, survived. And now people like you are arrogant enough to say, you can no longer work in the hospital because you've already had the disease. We're going to force you to take a vaccine that the science does not prove is better than naturally acquired. That's an arrogance that should be chastened. What you just heard, folks, was a conversation between a true die-hard Washington, D.C. bureaucrat, lifetimer. That's Javier Becerra. All he ever said throughout the entire thing was, the government's COVID-19 response. Oh, we're watching the science. We speak to our experts, yada, 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 yada. And every time Rand Paul, who is a non-traditional political elected person in Congress, I have tiffs with some of Rand Paul's opinions here and there. That doesn't make him a bad guy. He, First of all, he is a doctor. And he understands a lot of things in the medical world that obviously a lawyer doesn't understand. But yet, here's the conundrum. Biden marches out a guy that he somehow found reason to make the head of health care in the United States that's not even a doctor. He's He's been a very controversial political person in his life. And he marches him out to speak for the administration giving Senate members the truth about COVID-19, what the administration is doing. All he did was parrot what we already know is going on. I mean, we're living through it. Rand Paul asked him specific questions based on facts that are available in the public domain. Not one time did Becerra even acknowledge that anything Rand Paul said was even worth discussing. Why would that be? Because he got busted. Folks, maybe, just maybe, I know the economy is a really big deal, very important, but just maybe this coronavirus, not the virus itself, but the way the Biden administration have forced Americans to respond and react to it, I think that may be the most difficult thing that Americans are going to see in the lifetimes of everybody who is alive today. And again, I'm not a gloom and doomer, folks, but facts are facts. And what we just heard was an example of the facts that are happening 
in Washington, D.C., in our president's administration. That's scary. We've got a bunch of other news, I mean breaking news in the world of COVID-19 today. But we have some other stuff. But we're going to take our first break. When we come back, you don't want to miss this. Anthony Fauci has been caught with his hand in the cookie jar, not giving himself money, but others, and a lot of it. We have that next. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless sleep blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle Snuggle. I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks. Just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. So, Miss Harris, what makes you think you're a good fit with us here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky? Oh, sir, there are so many reasons. I specialized in research and theoretical studies for several years at the Southampton Institute, mm -hmm. preceded by intensive graduate studies at Syracuse. <laughs> Certainly, my skills are well suited for a position here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky? Oh, thanks. A job interview and a root canal on the same day. Want to get away? Get the heck out of there with Southwest Airlines. Fly coast to coast for $99 or less by November 3rd. It was nice meeting you, sir. Yes, we'll get back to you soon. Soon. Southwest Airlines, a symbol of freedom. Call 1-800-IFLY-SWA. When fake news threatens the fabric of the nation, you have a choice. Dan Newman, TNN, The Truth News Network. Hey, don't forget about this. If you miss any one of our TNN Live shows, any one of them, it doesn't matter, you can always get it. Let me tell you the ways to get it. You can come back at any time. At the bottom of the story that we publish every day here at Truth News Network, there will be a link to that day's podcast. In addition to that, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, also... Um, Let's see who else. Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and I'm missing one. Google Podcast. They're all there. Within minutes after every show completes, those outlets pick up the show and post it at TNN Live. And all you have to do to get it is go to their main page in the search bar, put in TNN Live, and an index will pop up with all our shows, and the latest is there at the top. So you never have to miss it, even if you can't catch it live. We love you sharing the day with us. We like feeling like there's somebody on the other end of this. You know what I mean. 
And anytime you want to weigh in, ask questions, express your opinion, feel free to do so. Toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH, 1-866-378-7884. Now what about Fauci man? St. Fauci has always seemed to be something more than what he presented in front of cameras for several years. In fact, it appears Fauci is much more sinister than even I have thought. Yeah, we know he is promoted and financed through Grant's horrific laboratory test on animals that tormented innocent beagles and monkeys as part of an unfathomable research that, of course, is always portrayed by St. Fauci as following the science to best serve people with the results we come up with. Call me stupid, but caging thousands of beagles in the desert with their scalps open to expose their brains to sand flies and maggots with no food or water is a bit beyond the pale of science. It seems more like demented scientists we see in horror movies. Well, there's a new Fauci-ism. A new one. Listen to this, folks. Two independent investigators published a report in Gateway Pundit right after Thanksgiving. In that report, they claim that both the National Institutes of Health, that's the parent company of Dr. Fauci's office, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, they awarded tens of millions of dollars to Chinese scientists and institutions involved in the crime of forced organ harvesting from living people in mainland China. The investigation was conducted by Dr. Lawrence Sellen, a retired U.S. Army Reserve Colonel, Iraq and Afghanistan veteran, and he's engaged in medical pharmaceutical research. He had a partner in this, Ms. Anna Chen, an independent researcher from the People's Liberation Army of Communist China, their biological weapons program. In their joint report, they claim that the NIH and Fauci's NIAID, NIAID, funded research and the training of Chinese scientists here in the United States. The latter work for hospitals in China that engage in forced organ harvesting and are affiliated with the Communist Chinese People's Liberation Army that plays a central role in these crimes. The crimes of forced organ harvesting were first exposed in 2006 by two Canadian lawyers, David Kilgore, Canada's former Secretary of State for the Asia-Pacific, and also David Mattis, a human rights lawyer, and it comes in an extensive report entitled Bloody Harvest. Kilgore and Mattis, they used the Chinese Communist regime's own transplant statistics, made calls to hospitals asking for live organs. They took screenshots of hospital advertisements on their websites, offering organs in a matter of days, and took testimonies from Chinese concentration camp survivors who witnessed prisons and detention centers taking blood, doing all sorts of medical checks on prisoners of conscience to obtain 
their compatibility data for a transplant. The Canadians concluded that in China, the CCP carries out forced organ harvesting from living people to sell for transplants on a large scale using military logistics and facilities and with the authorization of a Chinese judge. In March of 2020, the China Tribunal, consisting of lawyers and doctors from different parts of the world, reached these very same conclusions. The victims are mainly practitioners of Falun Dafa, which is a discipline of the Buddha school persecuted in China since 1999. However, these most recent reports show that Uyghurs in Xinjiang province have also become targets for organ harvesting by the Chinese. You want some facts? Okay, we got them. A scientist from Columbia University in New York, Megan Sykes, published the results of scientific research in conjunction with Yang Guang Yang, who, in addition to working for the same university, is also, by the way, an employee of the Organ Regeneration and Transplantation Laboratory of the First Hospital of Jilin University. That's an institute denounced for participating in the crime of organ theft back in 2014. That study was funded by Anthony Fauci's NIAID grant. You want evidence? The grant numbers. A1045897 and National Institute of Health. Grant number 1S10RR027050 to the CCTI Flow Symmetry Corps. Young Guang Yang started working for Jilin University First Hospital back in 2010 and did so through 2018 and received $6.6 million from the National Institutes of Health. In a 2011 study, also funded by NIAID, Young Guang Yang worked with Jilin University's Chun Fing Wang, who is a collaborator with the People's Liberation Army Institute of Military Veterinary Medicine a center allegedly linked to China's biological warfare program. In 2012, Yang began training surgeons from Jilin University first with American money. Where? At Columbia University in New York City. And that happening is and was a major medical ethics concern. In mid-October of last year, Professor Russell Strong an internationally renowned physician specializing in organ transplantation warned Western medical institutions they should ban the entry and training of Chinese surgeons who, once they've gotten their knowledge here, return to China to participate in the forced removal of organs from living people that is carried out under the supervision and with the participation of the Chinese state. Apparatus, In other words, under the watch of Xi Jinping. Dr. Strong was one of the pioneers in the field of transplantation. And as early as 1980, he established an organ transplant program at Princess Alexandra Hospital in Brisbane, Australia. He performed the first successful liver transplant in 1985, said he received hundreds of requests from Chinese doctors 
who wanted to train with him. Go figure. I refused to train them unless I had a signed document from the institution that they would not go back and use executed prisoners as organ donors, Professor Strong said. I never received a single response, so I refused to take them on. Young Guan Yang also conducted a scientific study with the PLA in 2018, funded by NIH grants, AI-079087 and HL-130724. In 2019, Young Guan Yang became an official member of the Organ Regeneration and Transplantation Laboratory, First Hospital of Jilin University, the International Future Science Center, and the China National Laboratory of Joint Engineering of Animal Models for Human Diseases, which conduct animal and human cell experiments, all while still employed where? In the United States, working for who? Columbia University. The researcher's report mentions NIAID grant and another number and another grant number from the NIH from two investigations by Yang and colleagues at Jilin University First Hospital. According to Gateway Pundit, young Guang Yang became a scientific advisor to Zhengi Bioengineering Company in Changchun City, a biotechnology company focused on organ transplantation and regeneration. The company at the time had two senior PLA officers working as advisors, Ninji Jin, PLA Major General and head of the PLA Institute of Military Veterinary Medicine, whose activities are related directly to China's biological warfare program, and another, Wei Men Wang who is a major general of the Standing Committee of the PLA, Guangzhou Military Region Medical Science and Technology Committee of the PLA, Guangzhou Military Region. While young Guang Yang received public funds from U.S. agencies, he held dozens of positions as a senior manager of a bunch of different entities. He won multiple awards that in Chinese society only come when you're connected to the very top of the Communist Chinese Party. It's worth noting that according to Chinese Chinese expert Larry Ong, the PLA is loyal to the former leader of the CCP, Jin Zemin, who opposes the current leader, Xi Jinping. In 1999, when Jing Zemin was the secretary of the party, he launched the persecution of Falun Gong unilaterally, he gave the order to defame their reputation, bankrupt them financially, destroy them physically, which is why some analysts say that it was Jing Zemin who gave the secret order to start harvesting the practitioner's organs. So let's just wrap this up. One can only imagine just how much corruption there must be perpetrated by Fauci through the years that no one blows the whistle on him. Have you noticed that? Reasoning why the people surrounding him are still working for him is bad enough. What's worse? To imagine what kind of power he holds over those people that is sufficient to keep him from his repeated, the numerous travesties we already know of, let alone those in his past and in his present. 
How does somebody get that kind of power? Who does he have in his pocket? What dirt must he have that keeps people silent regarding most of this? Now, we know that the love of money is the root of all evil. There's no doubt Fauci has amassed a personal fortune that didn't come from his $430,000 job in NIAID. That makes him the highest paid federal employee in the U.S., legally paid. (laughs) There's a whole lot more money comes in than the paycheck, I promise you. But with his long relationship and involvement in numerous Gates Foundation human trials involving foreign citizens in India, Africa, New Zealand, Australia, in which Fauci supervised as well, there's got to be many other dollars stashed away in foreign accounts for Dr. Tony. Did you know that Bill Gates is a eugenicist? He learned it from his dad. Eugenics is a name for a broad practice of controlling populations in a bunch of different ways. Of course, the obvious one is either to keep them from being born once they're conceived or to find ways to dismiss them from the living among us. Fauci's a board member of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Why would you think that would be the case? Many of the Gates Foundation's hundreds of millions of research dollars are spent by Fauci in supervising all this. And the main target of it all is controlling the population through the use of vaccines. Bill Gates has been committed to this for decades, publicly, folks. Now, I'm not going to tire you with the grim details of all this when you can do your own internet search and find mounds of documentation of not only these tests conducted around the world and their outcomes, which in India killed kids, enough kids and enough kids were hurt dramatically, permanently disabled. It resulted in the Indian government kicking them out of their country. That's just one of numerous examples. There must be more at stake than this for Fauci. Money by itself is only much opportunity to give one personal satisfaction. Of course, the hundreds of millions of Gates money certainly has made the Gates family's lives pretty extraordinary, equaled by just a few. Therefore, Fauci must face the same human wants and desires as do those who just do nothing but chase the mighty dollar. But wait a minute. It seems that there's more in this than that for Dr. Fauci. In nations in which the top government is controlled totally by royalty, not chosen by a nation's citizens, but by birth, typically money and the opportunity to earn money is controlled totally by that tiny number of people at the top. I think the love of money may have initiated Fauci's quest. I don't know that, but appearances indicate that. But with money... Enough money, one can much easier amass power. And I think that's Fauci's objective, amassing power. And he's doing quite a job. you got to admit that. There's even more evil that is surfacing in Dr. Fauci's recent past that involves hopeless 
and helpless people. But we'll leave that chapter of Fauci world for another story another day. Please make no mistake about any of this factual information, more of which is revealed daily. With what we know, even without the dirt that remains covered in his life, it is unconscionable that Anthony Fauci manipulating the lives of hundreds of millions of Americans in large part. I just can't believe it's happening, but it is. And there's no other explanation now that's plausible than in coming from Fauci's lust for power. Stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. We got a lot on our plate, don't we? There is so much going on around us, it's hard to keep our our minds around it. The time it takes to even consider things, yet alone come up with answers and get the facts. It's really tough. And they're making it more and more difficult on purpose, of course, because they want to control us and they want to control everything about us. What you heard Rand Paul discussing with Javier Becerra is exactly what's going on. Do you know... And I won't even go into this in detail. Project Veritas, we told you the other day they had gotten a whistleblower in the military. Some of the stuff we're going to bring to you in the upcoming days is from that stuff. And did you know our military knew from the very beginning, before the very beginning of this COVID-19 stuff, that the drug ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, both of those worked in great, great remedies, in the, especially in the early stages of COVID-19 infections. DARPA, that's who Project Veritas busted. DARPA is the darkest intelligence agency group. We know very little about DARPA other than that they are very, very, and always have been involved with Anthony Fauci and Grant's for this nasty stuff that's happening around the world that we're paying for. This information comes out of the Project Veritas revelation, and it's factual. We're going to be bringing you some of that in the next couple of days. It's hard to do in this kind of setting, in an audio setting, because there are documents involved. And we don't want to present anything to you that we cannot tell you, here is what we're saying, and here is why we're saying This is the evidence, and that's hard to do in audio, but we're going to start doing some series. Maybe some days we'll have two reports online rather than just one. We always do a big story in the daytime, early morning, goes live about 1.45 a.m. Central Time. But there's enough stuff out there that you really need to see and know and understand that we're, we're going to start doing a couple of these stories. Maybe we'll begin with this Project Veritas revelation and give you some of the documents that you can see for yourself. But folks, you've thought there's a lot of stuff kind of underhandedly going on in the federal government, especially with the coronavirus pandemic, especially with Dr. Anthony Fauci. I don't think any of us have yet done anything more than just scratching the surface of the evils that's there. I guess what's at stake? The lives and the health of Americans, me and you. 
Facts and evidence is all you'll see and hear on TNN, the Truth News Network. Find it exclusively at truthnewsnet.org. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, with all this stuff, I still feel, I'm confident, I know that we live in the greatest nation on the planet, the greatest nation in world history. And I don't want to get into a spitting match with anybody about that, but I'm telling you what, it doesn't look anything like it did a few years ago. And it seems like instead of going uphill, like we're making some progress, it's like we're sliding down a hill, a mudslide, and we can't pull ourselves out of it. And there's so many places we can point to where there are serious things going on, serious things happening that under most administrations would be addressed from the most egregious, the most important, top down. That's always the economy. We've talked about that already today. But the other stuff, it just seems like it's getting left behind. Most border crossers and illegal aliens that have been flooding across our southern border that were freed into the United States interior by Joe Biden's administration, they're finding ways to evade deportation. And we found some new government data that reveals it. The Department of Homeland Security, the data comes after inquiries from Senator Ron Johnson, Republican from Wisconsin, who has sought the total number of border crossers and illegal aliens that were released into our interior in the first year of Biden's presidency. He's been trying to get the numbers, trying to get them. Of course, DHS continues to hide the number. That's on the watch of Alejandro Mayorkas. The last estimate suggests they released a total of 530,000 border crossers and illegal aliens into our interior from the day he was inaugurated, January 20th last year, to late October. The newest data disproves remarks made by Mayorkas, wherein he claimed in a Senate hearing, I think a week ago, that approximately 75% of border crossers and illegals released into the U.S. interior with those NTAs, 
They call those a notice to appear for a hearing with a judge to figure out and make a ruling on your status being here. That comes in immigration court and notices to report to a DHS field office. That's where you go where you're going to live and you check into the closest field office so they can keep tags on you. He said 75% of those people have been complying with those reporting requirements. But guess what? It didn't happen. Contrary to Mayorkas' claims, the DHS data reveals that in five months from March to August, more than half of those border crosses and illegals released into the U.S. with those notices, half have not complied with the requirements to report to the agency. More than 104,000 released with the notice to report during that time. Less than 50,000 have checked in with DHS. More than 54,000 have skipped out on the reporting requirement. Even for border crossers and illegals complying with the reporting requirement, DHS has issued very few NTAs to jumpstart the deportation proceedings. As an example, only about 15% of border crossers and illegal aliens released with one of those notices have been later given a notice to appear for an actual hearing. The other roughly 85% of border crossers and illegals are successfully evading deportation by ditching, just walking away from those reporting requirements. If you can't find me, you don't know where I am, you can't kick me out. So they just disappear into the terrain of the United States, and we've been paying for them. Those flights going to these cities in the middle of the night, those bus trips, we're paying for that. We don't even have an accurate number of how many there are. We don't know who they are, and to be honest with you, we don't have an idea where they are. In 2019, a federal pilot program that tracked the reporting rates of border crossers showed similar failures with the compliance. At that time, the DOJ data found that nearly 90% of border crossers and illegals were skipping out on their court dates to instead live illegally in the United States. Illegally is the number, is the name, is the term, illegally. I may be wrong, but didn't Joe Biden pledge an oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, which is the legal structure. And yet he's allowing all of this. This is the most rampant crime I have ever seen in any government. And I'm talking about the Chinese communist government, the old Soviet Union. At least back then, everybody knew who was responsible and who was making the good decisions and the bad decisions. Now, I think we do know who's making these decisions, and the people that can do anything about it are just sitting on their hands, not doing anything. So what can be done when you're looking at a Congress which is horribly split and controlled by despotic leftists not just Democrats, but I mean even further left than that. What can you do? What kind of legislation can you get pushed through? What kind of power do you have? The only power that 
people that are conservatives in government, in this government today, the only real power they have is getting the word out. Representative Mo Brooks from Alabama is introducing a measure designed to empower local elected officials, including governors, to refuse the Fed's attempts to resettle these illegals in their towns and cities. And he's talking about, of course, the same noise we were just referencing. It's called the Local Control Act. It adds what the congressman's office described as a new section to the Immigration and Nationality Act, which would specifically require federal officials, including, by the way, Mayorkas and other people in the Department of HHS, along with the Attorney General, to notify the governor of a state before settling these illegals in that specific state. The measure also empowers the governor to stop those settlements altogether. In the bill, it specifically says this, no federal funds may be used to transport, house, or resettle any alien without lawful status under the immigration laws within a state without the approval of the governor of that state. The bill also states that illegal aliens cannot be placed in a locality within the state if the locality has in effect a law, a policy with the effect of law, or resolution that prohibits or disapproving of the transportation, housing, or resettling of aliens in that political subdivision. While the federal government is tasked with enforcing immigration laws, it's clearly the state. The states are the ones that are suffering the fallout. That's according to Representative Brooks. This administration's reckless policies have left local communities in shambles, put American lives at risk. If Joe Biden sees fit to abdicate his responsibility to protect American citizens in their homes and in their communities, then the states must be given the right to protect themselves. <laughs> I can't believe we even have to have this conversation, but can you believe we have an administration that just turning their backs on immigration law, just doing what they want to do, no accountability being put forward by the House of Representatives or the Senate, and we know why, because they're in love with Joe Biden. And speaking of lawlessness, what about this guy in New York, in Manhattan? Alvin Bragg. Have you heard that name? You know who that is? That's their new district attorney. He's one of a slew of leftist district attorneys around the U.S., whose election campaign was funded by, guess who, George Soros. George Soros, he's a very radical left billionaire, he's not a, not a Democrat, he's somewhere left of that. So what Bragg has done, he's reduced a felony robbery charge to misdemeanor petty larceny in Manhattan. And it's a Class A misdemeanor now, which means that there's no mandatory prison sentence. The New York Post reported about that in prosecuting career criminal 43-year-old William Rowland and people's reaction to it. When Rowland left Dwayne Reed at 100 Delancey Street without paying, a female manager confronted him and saw he was brandishing a pocket knife. F you, I'm taking everything, he said. 
Bragg's policies are an affront to every law-abiding citizen in New York City, former Manhattan Assistant DA Daniel Allen, who's now a defense lawyer, said. Violent criminals now have carte blanche to reoffend, knowing full well they'll never again sniff the inside of a jail cell. If you thought things couldn't get any worse, think again. God help us, he said. Law enforcement officials also said a bag of heroin fell out of Roland's sock during his arrest. Police charged him with first-degree robbery, criminal possession of a weapon. But when he was arraigned in Manhattan criminal court this past weekend, they actually held court on Sunday, go figure. The robbery charge was dropped by the Manhattan DA's office. He was instead charged with two counts of petty larceny and a couple of other related low-level offenses, including second-degree menacing. He threatened to kill everybody, and he had a bag of heroin. He's not going to see jail. D.A. Bragg's move is consistent with the memo that he put out January 3rd, his first day in office, in which he promised certain types of robberies are no longer going to be prosecuted if there was no genuine risk of physical harm, even after the suspect brandished a knife and the store manager told police she feared for her life and did not want to go back to work. He's not going to jail, folks. At the time of Roland's arrest on Saturday, he was wanted in Brooklyn for failing to appear in court in October on charges that include felony assault with a weapon. Roland has a rap sheet that lists more than 20 arrests that date back to 1991 and involves some minor charges for minor offenses like rape, robbery, assault, drug dealing. That's okay if you're in New York City now. They just think Manhattan has gone down the tube. (laughs) Can you imagine people that love to go to the Big Apple? I'm one of them. I don't have anything in my body that wants to go to Manhattan right now or any of the boroughs. Marianne's favorite restaurant is the River Cafe across the Brooklyn Bridge. In fact, it's right under the Brooklyn Bridge. We're not going back anytime soon. You think New York's bad right now? Just wait a few months and see how egregious lawbreaking gets from where we are now. Let me ask you this. Have you have you kept up with the responses from Joe Biden's speech down in Georgia the other day? I think every hardcore Democrat just they couldn't believe what they were hearing. It wasn't I mean, think about everything we've already just talked about today in this show. Everything In the first hour, we talked about all kind of wrongdoing, things that are bad, things that are really hurting the nation and impacting negatively American companies, American citizens, teachers, kids. From top to bottom, everybody is suffering because of what is being done by this administration and what's not being done. And so he makes a trip to Georgia to give a speech bashing anybody that doesn't believe that we need to turn over the entire election process to the federal government because they know what's best about how to run elections. They showed us in 2020, didn't they? And he called 
anybody and everybody that disagrees with that, he called them names. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, he fired back at Biden yesterday after that flawed election overhaul speech that Joe gave on Tuesday with the GOP leader saying this speech undermines democracy. Now, in fairness, let me just say this. I am not a Mitch McConnell fan. I uh, I think he's a weak leader in the Senate. He knows where all the bodies are buried. There's no doubt about that. He's been there forever. He probably buried a couple of them. I'm I'm just kidding. I don't have I I I don't think Mitch McConnell is an evil guy. I don't. But I have real problems with some of his policies and the way he runs the minority now and when he was majority leader. But he touched on a couple of things in this speech yesterday that are, they just really resonated with me. He torched the president, tearing into Biden over that pan speech, calling it a deliberately divisive and one that was designed to pull our country further apart. If you've not heard the speech, go grab it on Google. It'll tell you. It'll tell you just where Joe Biden is. He's right where whoever prepared his date, date book had him going. And it didn't matter that everybody in the nation said, you don't need to go do that right now. But his handlers are pushing him out front. What's going on, folks, now is he's got two things that are really going south on him. The big one, the economy. It's already south. And then our pandemic. And instead of coming out and leading us through all of this, what does he do? His handlers send him out there to find another place where maybe we can get a win. Maybe if we divert the attention of the American people away from the economy and away from the pandemic and away from all these other things, maybe we can get them to focus and we get some chits from them out of this other thing that we're talking about. And instead of going to Georgia and making a speech that was positive about the goodness of the American election system, the greatest ones on the planet, there's no argument to that. Instead of doing that, He went there to tell the nation how evil we are because we're restricting the right to vote of people, which is a total proven again and again lie. He called millions of Americans his domestic enemies in his speech and shouted that if you disagree with him, you're George Wallace. Some of you listening may not remember George Wallace, former governor of Alabama. He was a racist. He was anti-immigration. He did not think black people were worthy of anything in life compared to their white counterparts. He was a bad dude. And for Biden to say, if we disagree with his opinions and thoughts on the elections process, we're George Wallace. McConnell said, George Wallace, if you don't pass the laws he wants, you're Bull Connor. And if you oppose giving Democrats untrammeled one-party control of the country, well, you're Jefferson Davis. He also slammed Biden for bringing in the Civil War and used it to demonize Americans who disagree with him. Pointed out that Biden's compared a bipartisan majority of senators to literal traitors. How proud, profoundly 
unpresidential, McConnell said. Look, I've known, liked, and personally respected Joe Biden for many years. I did not recognize the man at the podium yesterday. A president shouting that 52 senators and millions of Americans are racist unless he gets whatever he wants is proving exactly why the framers built the Senate to check his power. McConnell also called Biden's speech a rant that was incoherent, incorrect, and beneath his office and said the president's speech on Tuesday was the perfect case study as to how Senator Biden was right about the filibuster and President Biden is wrong today. By the way, back when all of this stuff happened, when the Democrats were in the minority, Republicans were in the majority, a parade of Democrat senators went to the podium and just went crazy about even consideration of abolishing the filibuster and told us it was going to tear the nation apart. And now every one of them, every one of the 50 Democrat senators, everyone wants to be able to dismantle the filibuster so that they can push through this voting bill that will destroy the election system in the United States. And the insanity just goes on and on and on. There's something about voting in the House of Representatives that has really struck a chord. Do you realize that Speaker Pelosi, House Speaker Pelosi, installed a process for proxy voting? Do you know what that is? You don't have to be there. You don't even have to be there to vote. Well, by law, every member of Congress, when a vote is taken on a piece of legislation, they're supposed to be there. And sometimes you can't be. Health, family issues, whatever. If you're people, if you're human, you're going to have those things happen and you can't function the same way. That's different. Now, Pelosi is using the proxy voting system to shortchange the legislative process. All you got to do is phone in or give somebody, whisper in their ear, how do you want to vote? And they'll vote for you. One GOP lawmaker he doesn't like it. Listen to him explain this. Last night, the United States Congress may have reached a new low. You see, last night we had what's called a quorum vote. A quorum vote is essentially where you vote on whether you are present or not present. It is to determine which members of Congress are actually here for the purpose, the purpose of establishing a quorum. So we had this vote, this quorum vote last night, And we had 101 members of Congress vote present by proxy. So they had someone else vote for them, voting present, because they were not present. By definition, if you are voting by proxy, you are not present. This may be the height of our proxy voting absurdity right now, 101 members voting that they were present while admitting against interest because they were proxy voting that they were indeed not present, also lying in the process saying they were not present. Remember, they have to sign their name saying they're not present because of the ongoing coronavirus emergency. That's not why they weren't present. In fact, we have members, a handful of members that are traveling with President Biden to Georgia today. 
I guarantee you some of them, them are going to vote proxy and say they can't be here because of the coronavirus pandemic when, in fact, they can't be here because they're taking a political trip with President Biden to Georgia. So just let this sink in. 101 members of the House voted present by proxy. If this does not illustrate how stupid and damaging proxy voting is to this institution, I don't know what else will. And I guarantee you that when we take back the House, the first thing we'll do is get rid of this proxy voting scheme. Or at least that is the first thing we should do because this is getting out of hand. Don't let your member of Congress proxy vote. Wow. I knew it happened occasionally, but I had no idea it was this rampant. I I get it. When we were in the COVID world and we were locked down around the nation, we didn't know anything, folks. You remember that? We didn't understand what was going on. We just believed everything we were being told by those people above us. You know, our leaders. Yeah, leading us down the wrong path. No doubt about it, but we didn't know that then. They did. This didn't. You need to understand this. This didn't just pop out of the nowhere. We've, we've revealed to you that several years before we, you and I, even knew, heard SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19, before we ever heard of it, it was already on the drawing board being contemplated by leaders And I don't know who all they were, but obviously there was a lot of premeditation that took place in preparing all of this. And the number one scam scheme that drove this whole thing was this voting thing. They want to get there. In fact, I can can almost certainly tell you that if Hillary Clinton had beaten Donald Trump, we would have been here four years ago. Trump messed it up. But boy, when they had to deal with Donald Trump and they had to deal with the good things that happened across the board for the American people during his four years, they could not let that stand because what that meant, they would forever lose their control of the American people. And so what did they do? We got to come up with a plan. Middle of his term uh, uh, in office, it, it began, maybe even before then. And this was meticulously well-planned. Nobody can say this whole thing wasn't put together well. The fly in the ointment today for them is Joe Biden. Can you imagine a group of people that are totally committed to the control of others in this nation? How they feel when they turn on the television every morning and they listen and see and hear Joe Biden actually talking to people, I guarantee you there's some face slapping that goes on. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe we let this happen. And I think because of all of that, that's why, probably mostly why, we're seeing the ratcheting down on the control thing. They don't want to lose the control that they have because then whatever their long-term goals and objectives that they're going to do with the power that they're seizing will be kicked to the curb. They can't let that happen. And there are so many moving parts in this whole process. It just, most people don't even want to think about it. 
I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to that ask me a question about something and I start answering the question and if it gets more than a couple of paragraphs long, my answer, I can see them just tuning out. Let me tell you something you need to do. The number one Netflix movie of all time is playing right now on Netflix. You need to watch it. It's a really good movie. I won't even go into the details. The name of it is Don't Look Up. And the reason it's such a good movie is it looks like it was set. It's almost a parody of what we're living in in government today. Meryl Streep's plays the president in this movie. And there's a bunch of other, I mean, there's a dozen other famous actors in it. It's on Netflix. Title again is Don't Look Up. You will revel in the fact that you are looking at the Biden administration and this government, and not just the government, all the big players that are around us. And it'll be an eye-opening thing. You'll learn a lot. You'll understand a whole lot more. I can't believe I'm promoting a Netflix movie on TNN Live. But check it out. Hey, guess who's up next? Well, we'll flip a coin during this break. Either Senator John Kennedy or Senator Ted Cruz. Both of them. You got to hear what's coming up. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say, let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says, your place needs furniture. And at this sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The warehouse sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Deal with the experts. Scaffolding rental and setup. Installation of truck racks, Lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. Saying it out loud. No spin. Only the truth. Again, Dan Newman. Before we get to the senators, let me let me just drop a little bomb on you. Congress beat the stock market. <laughs> I know that'll shock you. On average, 
with its millions of dollars of trades, members of Congress, last year. Members of Congress bought and sold close to $300 million in stocks, $140 million in options contracts, $124 million in other securities like private equity funds, half a million in cryptocurrencies. In addition, House representatives held stocks for an average of 134 days compared to 128 days for senators. Now, what does that last line mean? Don't tune me out. That's critical because that indicates to most of us that have done some business in the stock market through our lives that those short terms for holding those pieces of financial uh, instruments, either stocks or equity funds, etc., just for 128 days by senators on average and 134 days by members of the House of Representatives, they're getting in and getting out, and they're making millions of dollars. So why would they be able to do that? And we can't. Maybe we can if we have access to the same information as they. And it's not just Democrats, folks. Beating the market was bipartisan. Both Republicans and Dems in the House and Senate having higher returns than any other Americans which seek to provide investment results that before expenses correspond generally to the price and yield performance of the S&P 500 index. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen without some knowledge. Mitch McConnell is one of those people. Mo Brooks, you just heard a report from him a little bit ago, is one of those people. Nancy Pelosi, Dan Crenshaw, John Curtis, Brian Mast, They all are milking the system for making money. Just thought I'd throw that in. A collection of 35 members of Congress had individual portfolios that beat the Standards and Poor 500 index last year. That's unusual. Of those, 16 were Republicans, 19 were Democrats. And these include people like Dan Crenshaw, Pelosi, Ron Wyden, Senators Mitch McConnell and Tommy Tuberville of Alabama. Some of the largest trades come from Representative Susan Delbine from Washington State, her family selling up to $25 million in Microsoft stock in September and October. In November, Senator Bill Haggerty from Tennessee sold $5 million in tech company Datadogs Scott. The biggest congressional traders... Josh Gottheimer from New Jersey, Marie Newman, no kin, from Illinois, Susie Lee from Nevada, Zoe Lofgren from California in the House, Senators John Boozman, a Republican from Arkansas, and Tommy Tuberville, former head coach at the University of uh, Auburn, were the busiest Senate traders according to the information that we had. Bottom line, it boils down to this. They're making a lot of money. They're making a lot of money, and they're not making it for doing anything anything special or coming up with a new invention, you know, like an Internet IT product. They're doing it for one reason and one reason only. They can do it simply because they're members of the United States Congress. That gives them an open door to do it, and nobody slaps them on the hand for it. 
we tell them, oh, you got to do something. You got to do something. You got to make rules. Well, who rules all of this stuff? They do. They make all the laws. They control themselves, the Senate and the House. So can you honestly believe, can you think that they're going to take care of this themselves? I don't have an answer, folks. I don't have an answer. Meanwhile, we try to keep the government flowing, doing the work that it does for all of us. And that includes confirmation hearings in the Senate. That's the only place that confirmation hearings for judicial appointments can happen. And we get some real wild confirmation hearings with a bunch of these people that Joe Biden sends up there being nominated for judgeships around the nation. Our buddy from Baton Rouge, Senator John Kennedy, he weighed in with a really good back and forth. Listen to this. Senator Kennedy, I went a little over, and you're welcome to do the same if you wish. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Congratulations to all of you. I hope to be able to ask each of you some questions, but I do want to stay within my uh, my time limit. Let's start with Ms. Clark. Um, <clears throat> you've been nominated by President Biden, served on the federal district court, which means, of course, that uh, the Court of Appeal is going to review all of your decisions. Um, what is the, the appellate standard of review? for um, question of fact. Uh, Thank you for the question, Senator. Um, I have not uh, worked on an appeal in my my 14 years of experience. Um, I believe that um, uh, it is reviewed um, based on abuse of discretion would be this. No, it's uh, clear error. Clear error. As the federal district court judge, you're going to have a lot of of discretion uh, on determining facts. How about if somebody appeals one of your decision and they say you made a mistake on the law? What's the appellate standard review? Uh, thank you for the question, Senator. Again, You're as I, I, I mentioned, um, I have not uh, worked on appeals. If a question like that came um, uh, before me, um, I would thoroughly research the law. I understand that there's de novo review, abuse of discretion, and clear error. Are the, are the different um, standards okay? But you don't you don't know today the uh, answer. Thank you for the question, Senator. It would, it would be welcome. something that I would need to research further. Okay. Um, how, how about a mixed question of, of fact and law? What's the standard of review on that? Thank you for the question, Senator. Again, um, uh, my understanding are that the different levels of review are de novo, um, abuse of discretion, and clear error. Well, but that's a question of law and fact is going to, is different. Thank you for the question, Senator. Again, in my, in my 14 years of experience, that is not an issue um, uh, that has confronted me. Okay. All right. Well, if you're, you're, you've been nominated for the Southern District, I think. Is that right? That is correct. So you'll see a lot of securities cases? Yes. Okay. Tell me what uh, SEC Rule 10b-5 is. Uh, that's a, a rule that deals with fraud. Um, I have uh, uh, not litigated a securities uh, matter. Uh, if I were um, uh, to confront one, I would thoroughly research Second Circuit and Supreme Court precedent, and I would um, apply the law to the facts. 
Ms. Clark, you've been nominated to the Southern District of New York. It's where most of our securities cases are litigated. And rule, SEC Rule 10b-5 is about as basic as you can get. You want to take another crack at that and tell me what Rule 10b-5 does? Uh, thank you again for the question, Senator. I, I regularly confront uh, new issues of law in, in my practice, and when I do, I thoroughly research the I, issue. I know you're going to thoroughly research it, but are you telling me today you don't know what Rule 10b-5 is? I only have that basic understanding. Okay. All right. I only have basic understanding of the generalities. Now, this is a nominee by Joe Biden to serve as a federal district judge. These are the people that control this nation, folks, by executing the laws of the land and making sure that they're done so correctly. This woman sat there and she knew nothing about any of the issues that Senator Kennedy brought up. Let me point something out to you. He's not an attorney. She is. And she's appointed to be a judge, not in a little town or in a big city even, but as a federal judge in a district in the United States that basically controls everything in the legal system about everything that the legislature and everything else does that comes before them. She doesn't have a clue. This is the kind of action that we're seeing being taken every day by this president. I don't know if you heard or not, but getting back for just a few minutes on the COVID-19 situation, some Americans are questioning the guidance the Biden administration issued the other day, I'm sure you heard it, that race and or ethnicity could place patients at high risk of severe COVID infection and more quickly qualify them for those monoclonal antibodies and oral antiviral medications. We're all in it. The virus is a virus, and you can get it no matter what you are. Hmm. I don't see why race is always mentioned nowadays. This is a guy named Dave. You walk into a clinic, you should not you should get taken care of regardless if you're black, white, Indian, Japanese, whatever your nationality is, it shouldn't matter. Well, the FDA approved emergency use authorizations of Satropfamab, which is a monoclonal antibody proven to be effective against the Omicron variant, only to patients considered high risk. And that's documented. There's a fact sheet out from the FDA that states that. The guidance was updated late last month, said medical conditions or factors such as race or ethnicity have the potential to place individual patients at high risk for progression to severe COVID-19. Now, what does this all mean? We'll just cut to the chase. We, we spent decades in this nation trying to get away from racism being any part of anything that we discuss or need to make decisions on. And this administration is now purposely inserting it in COVID-19 treatment. No doubt there are high-risk groups, elderly people primarily with pre-existing medical conditions, doctors 
and whoever treating COVID should focus on symptoms and vulnerability, vulnerability, not just on race, dividing people up by race for any reason whatsoever, we've been told for our entire lifetimes that's wrong. Brian, this, this other guy, said, I totally disapprove of what Biden has been doing since the day he took office. Sharon, who lives in the villages, a huge retirement uh, property, I mean, it's massive, one of the biggest in the nation down in Florida, she said she voted for Biden and approves of the job he's done so far. I think he's got a tough road to hoe, but I think he's going to do okay, she said. But the other guy, Dave, said, I think he's doing terrible. I don't think we're headed in the right direction. Prices going up, food going up, yada, yada, yada. And then there's this thing where race is now being injected into who gets to the front of the line for the necessary treatments for COVID-19 in really serious situations. And according to Joe Biden, it's going to be based on race. If you're African-American, if you're anything but white, you're going to get pushed to the front of the line, not because you are necessarily necessary to be up there. When they do triage, do you know when there's a big accident or something where, you know, a fire breaks out, a bunch of people are hurt? When those people show up at hospitals, the first thing they do is triage the seriousness of the problems in each of these people that need medical care. And the ones that need the medical care, regardless of anything, just who's in the most dire circumstances, they get treated first. Biden's saying, no, 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 no. Move the people of color to the front of the line. And to keep everybody positive about the president, yesterday he actually defended his administration's handling of COVID-19. He did that while here in the nation, we reached a record number of cases and hospitalizations. He said to reporters at the White House, I'm confident we're on the right track. He pulled his mask down to his chin so that reporters could see him talking, but he ultimately admitted it looked stupid, so he just took it off. But you got to be masked when you're around other people, right? Biden said he was concerned about the pandemic worldwide but said he's pleased with the amount of federal help to states who were struggling with the virus. More than 145,900 people were in U.S. hospitals with COVID as of the day before yesterday, and that beats the previous pandemic peak that was set back in January over a year ago. Cases of the virus have exploded as John Hopkins University reports, 700,000 cases every day. That's roughly three times what it was during the winter of last year. And of course, he's got a big plan regarding his uh, vaccine mandates. Part of it is, and this is really ticking a lot of people off, he's going to require health insurers to cover eight free COVID at-home tests per person, per month, as of day after tomorrow. I'm not kidding. It's part of his strategy to make COVID tests available for millions of Americans. We've been told we've got a contract, $500 million. We're going to send these tests out in the mail. You're all going to get them in January. Well, today's the 13th, 18 more days left in the month. 
They don't even have the test produced, yet alone shipped, ready to be distributed. Folks, 500 million of anything. You don't just call FedEx and say, come pick it up. It's a process. It takes time. DHS Secretary Becerra, you heard him earlier with Rand Paul. He put out a press release Monday this week, and here's what he said. Under President Biden's leadership, we're requiring insurance companies and group health plans to make tests free for millions of Americans. This is all part of our overall strategy to ramp up access to easy-to-use at-home tests at no cost. Well, they do cost something, but it's those evil insurance companies. Well, Javier, let me give you a clue about something that you probably don't understand because you've never been in business. When somebody's forced to do something for free, it ain't free. And they're not going to eat it, the cost themselves. So what do they do? They pass the cost along. How do they, in this case, would they pass the cost of these eight free COVID at-home tests per person per month? How are they going to pay for those? Well, they may cut a check to the federal government, but all they're going to do is raise the rates on the other end to people that hold those medical insurance policies. Nothing's free. Insurers and plans would cover the cost up front, eliminating the need for consumers to even submit a claim for reimbursement. That's according to Becerra's office. Moreover, a healthcare provider's order or individualized clinical assessment or any other medical management requirements will not be necessary to get the test for free. You just ask for them, you got them. It doesn't matter if you need them or not. I promise you we're going to see a black market open up selling COVID-19 tests. I promise you we're going to see that happen if this plan rolls out like this. And even though they've told us it's happening right now, we haven't seen any signs that it will, certainly not anytime soon. But we're going to watch this closely. I promise you this is going to be another Biden boo-boo. It will. Now, let me tell you how bad this is getting. We talked about Biden's approval ratings dropping, I mean, virtually in the tank, 33%. For more than a year now, the national news media have held up the Centers for Disease Control and its director, Rochelle Walensky, making them appear to be paragons of public health. It's no coincidence that they suddenly had a moment of clarity when the CDC adjusted recently its pandemic protocols. And the news agency that is really flipping their lids, the most obvious one, it's an epiphany, is CNN with ratio king Chris Saliza coming around to reality on Twitter declaring that catching COVID isn't a moral failing. And blue staters, journalists, and Democrat politicians doing so should not be shamed. On Sunday, CNN's Brian Stelter, Little Brian, and Oliver Darcy actually went after the CDC, saying that it appears the CDC has become nothing more than a punchline. On the same segment, it featured Dr. Lucy McBride, who warned that 
some medical professionals are fanning the flames of panic with accompanying Chiron, such as is the media out of touch with the country about COVID and COVID and the doomsday doctor problem. Doomsday doctor, you know who they're referencing there. CNN took a shot at Fauci. It's hard to believe. No doubt it's a good thing that CNN's worst actors have decided to come around to what CDC skeptics have been saying for more than a year now and face some consequences for waiting so long. The last guy to figure things out has finally figured things out. Yet, to save Stelter, Darcy and their network, any more embarrassment, we'll just put it this way. The CDC lost the faith of the American people in 2020 when business owners were forced to stay home. Parents were forced to pull their kids out of school, yet social justice demonstrators and leftist activists were permitted to flood the streets and protest. COVID didn't know they were there. They hid in the shadows, right? You weren't allowed to open your business, but they were allowed to burn it down. Since then, in this overnight changing of the science with little to explain it other than President Biden's poll numbers, in the middle of all this, mainstream media members suddenly changed their tune on never-ending pandemic measures. Simply put, the writing's on the wall for the upcoming midterm elections. They're making their adjustments accordingly at the behest of this administration flailing over its broken promise to shut down the virus. Now, why is the media doing this? They're they're sudden about faces, not because they agree with those on the other side of the political aisle. They don't. Stelter and others like him, if there's another one out there like him, I don't think there is. They're just trying to moderate their message now that the good ones or the good ones are starting to catch COVID. <laughs> COVID's been nice to you, but now COVID's getting evil and you're a good guy. So, uh-oh, now you're getting it. We've got to rethink this thing. This is about political hierarchy, media hierarchy, nothing else. Journalists and Democrats are experiencing the same draconian-like measures that the rest of the country has had to go through for the past year. And they're finding them, just like you and me, pretty inconvenient, both to our own lives and obviously to Joe Biden. Did you hear what Anthony Fauci did? He just blew a hole in Joe Biden's whole coronavirus thing. This is what he said, just about everybody, regardless of vaccination status, is going to become infected with coronavirus. And that was in this same Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, uh, that committee hearing that we, uh, we pulled some stuff from yesterday. Fauci's comments came as Biden promised during the summer, you're not going to get covid if you have these vaccinations. So as COVID hospitalizations reached an all-time high, it's not the first time Biden made a promise he could not keep. In August last year, he began changing his rhetoric from defeating or beating COVID to controlling it. On August 3rd, he said the U.S. could control this virus 
and the democracies of the world are looking to America to lead again in two ways, he said. First, to demonstrate we can control this virus at home. And then on August 6th, he said the U.S. could beat the Delta variant just as we beat the original COVID-19. Americans can beat the Delta variant just as we beat the original. We can do this. A month later, September 24th, he said the tools exist to beat COVID. Good morning, everyone. As I've said before, this is the president speaking. We have the tools to beat COVID, COVID COVID-19, if we come together as a country and use the tools we have. On the 22nd of September, he said his global coronavirus summit, nothing is more urgent than all of us working together to defeat COVID-19. As I said yesterday at the United Nations, Nothing is more urgent than all of us working together to defeat it. September 16th, he claimed his top priority as president was getting COVID under control. That's why I've made getting COVID under control my number one priority from my first day as president, he said. And when the Americans were asked day before yesterday what the importance of all things in our lives, what should drive the boat of the Biden administration, COVID-19 is no longer at the top of the list. Guess what is? The nation's economy. It's about the money. It's about the money. Now, why is that so important? You know, there are a lot of people that think having money is evil, but it's necessary. How much? That's another story. But when somebody runs for an office in our federal government and they promise to do specific things, especially economic things, they better play it out and do what they promise to do. This guy is toast, Joe Biden. The truth, straight, no chaser, TNN, The Truth News Network. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. At Target, our first priority is the health of you, your families, and our team members. That's why we now require guests to wear a mask or face covering and continue to provide masks and gloves to protect our team members. Every day, we deep clean our stores and wipe down carts and baskets after every use. And you can always count on easy, contactless shopping options like drive-up and same-day delivery. We believe in always taking care, and we'll always do that for you. Learn more at Target.com slash a bullseye view. Boy, that reminds you of a 60s rock song, doesn't it? Well, there's a reason for it. That's exactly what it is. We don't have much time left, but a couple of things I want to get in here. I want to tell you a sad story. One family in British Columbia tells us yesterday they're being evicted from a Vancouver Ronald McDonald house where their four-year-old little boy is staying while he's undergoing treatment for leukemia. And the reason they're being kicked out is because they are not vaccinated against COVID. Austin Ferguson, 
In a video that's circulating around the world, the little boy can be seen holding up a notice he says he was given by the facility, a charity that provides a temporary home to pediatric cancer patients. They do it around the world, folks. And those with other serious illnesses free of charge while they're being treated at local hospitals. The page-long missive states the beginning January 17th, all patients, attending family members, and visitors over the age of five must be vaxxed so they will or they will be evicted from the facility. Everyone five years and older who are working, staying, or visiting our facilities, both at the house at, and they give the address in Vancouver and another, must show proof of full vaccination, that's two doses, in addition to completing our existing screening unless an accommodation has been sought and has been explicitly approved and granted by Ronald McDonald House Charities in writing. Can you imagine the horror this is going to play into the lives of these family members and this little boy? If he's going to be treated at this hospital for cancer, he can't stay in between treatments any longer in Ronald McDonald's house, nor can his parents, when they're with him, getting treatments. Just because of a political thing, a political thing, coronavirus and vaccines. Folks, we've seen little bits and pieces of this pop out, but it's getting worse and worse and worse, and I don't think we're any closer to getting to the end of this. You know, we we, we talked earlier about the 500,000, excuse me, 500 million free tests the Biden administration is putting in the pipeline for Americans. You're going to get them in January. They're not anywhere around. Well, guess what adds a little madness to this prediction that they've been given us to? Yesterday, the White House announced that President Biden hired a new coordinator to take charge of coronavirus testing. <laughs> he waited till long after this all came out. We have a new testing coordinator named Tom Inglesby, Jen Psaki announced yesterday. But Biden's decision to focus on testing comes a little bit late, 11 months after he took charge of the pandemic response and nearly three weeks since testing shortages made it extremely difficult to get tested before the holidays. Remember that? I had people calling me. Can you put me in touch with a doctor? I need to, I need to go get tested because I'm going to fly, going someplace that was going to require vaccines. I didn't get it just once or twice, about a dozen calls like that. This testing coordinator and its hiring distracts from Biden's failure to make enough tests available. Just a month ago, folks, December 2nd, he vowed that testing would be easy and available but he failed to ramp up production of the test for the holiday. The bottom line, this winter you'll be able to test for free in the comfort of your home. Have some peace of mind, he said. Well, the Omicron variant first emerged during Thanksgiving of all time, spreading rapidly across the country, infecting even those who had received triple shots of the vaccines, which is not supposed to happen. It didn't happen. You just dream it happened. Four days before Christmas, he promised the federal government would purchase half a billion at-home rapid COVID tests, send them free in the mail for people who requested them on a soon-to-be-released 
government websites starting in January. Three weeks later, the White House has nothing to show for their efforts as they remain hesitant to share any timing or any details for the project, even though every day in Jen Psaki's White House press meetings, she's asked about it. And she gets ugly when she responds. She gets mean. And it's kind of like, you don't have a right to question what we say we're going to do. We're going to do it, and that's all that matters. We're going to do it. No explanations, no answers, and nothing done. It's kind of been the story of this administration. Oh, he's done a lot. They've done a lot. But not about taking care of the American people and the business of the nation. They've been screwing everything up. Hey, thank you so much for being here today. We covered a lot. We got a lot more going on. We've got probably six or seven items that we're going to carry over to tomorrow's show. Hopefully, we're not going to have to get down and ugly, but what we're going to do is give you facts. We're ferreting out facts every day here. You guys have a great Thursday. Thank you for being part of the Truth News Network. They paid paradise and put up a fucking lie With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone It'd be a paradise and put up a fucking line They took all the trees and put them in a tree museum And they charged the people a dollar and a half to see them No, no, no Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got till it's gone be in paradise and put up a fucking line. Hey, farmer, put away your DDT. I don't care about spots on my apples. Leave me the birds and the bees. Please, don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? To be in paradise and put up a fucking line. And now they pay paradise to put up a fucking lie. One night. Taxi took my girl away Now don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you got Till it's gone To be in paradise Put up a fucking line And now, now Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what